0: That sounded a little weak. Good morning. Good morning. I greet you in Jesus' name this morning. And I am so grateful for all of you that are here. I know there's a lot of sickness going on. And for a little bit there we weren't sure if we were going to have church. Or if I was going to preach to an empty church. And I'm blessed to see that it's fairly well filled. So thank you for coming. I'm sure some of you may not feel 100%, but um, I trust that God can still minister to us this morning through the message. Enjoyed the the singing this morning. I... um, that last song, I think I say it every, every Christmas, but that is my favorite song. The thrill that goes through our soul when we experience the new birth. The fact that Christ came so that we can live eternally with him. Not only us, but the entire world. The entire world. So may God help us to be faithful in spreading the word. I covet your prayers this morning. I am not feeling 100% either, so... I'm not sure that I felt it come on me about three o'clock this morning, so um, I'm trusting God will take us through this. I'm a contractor, and I'm not, not a construction worker.. <clears throat> although I spent a significant amount of my teen years and, and young married life in the construction world. Um, and I, I have learned some things. I used to work with my dad, who had his own construction business for a time. And um, one thing I learned or I observed in the construction world is that there is a great deal of thought and planning put into the design and then the constructing of a building. I've always found it fascinating to, to observe a building being built, maybe in the neighborhood, and maybe every day you drive past and there's a little bit more done on it, and pretty soon it's complete. And... Um, if you think about, look at the design of that building, you can kind of figure out probably what's going to happen in that building. Occasionally there are buildings that you don't know what's going on. But for the most part, when the planning phase um, happens for a building, there is a lot of time spent in planning out the structure and the layout of the building so that the intended purpose of that building is met. And so if I was to build a building, I would take into account my end goal. What do I want that building, what, what purpose does that building serve for me? And then I would go to a contractor or an engineer and we would sit down. That's probably one of the first things that they would ask me is, well, what is, what is the, the intent of the building? And then we would explain all that, and, and all, it's just a lot of time put into planning. And some of you that have been in that process the last year or two know exactly what that's like. It takes a lot of planning, forethought. And a good, a good contractor, a good architect, knows what, a- or what questions to ask so that he can actually build the building to what your uh, needs are. there are a number of buildings going up around the Napanee area. And I have wondered what all of those buildings are, what, what they're for. I was talking to an individual just this past week, and he said that at least some of those buildings, and I think we all know that most of those big buildings are, are for production. The RV, RV or the trailer industry and, uh, but I was told last week that some of those buildings are actually being built and they're going to set empty until whenever they're needed. And I had to think about that, what that must feel like to the investor or to the person who is putting the money forward to build those buildings and they have to wait and I'm assuming it's probably because of the the economy, the the state of the economy that those decisions have been made. And I wonder if the economy doesn't right itself will those buildings eventually be used for something other than what it was intended for. There is one building that is also being built in Napanee, on the west edge of Napanee, that I have yet to figure out what it's for. It sits on the empty lot right in front of Burger Dairy. It's been a long time being built, and I cannot figure out what this thing is supposed to be. And probably some of you know what it is. What is it, Lyle? Are you serious? Well, we need to pray about that one, don't we? Anyway, I have been wondering what that is, what that building's uh, for. And so it is in life. We, we observe buildings being built. We can sort of understand just by what's being built that it's meant for something some specific. But then there's on occasion a building that's like, I don't know what that's. It makes no sense. Why would you build a building there? And the way the building's designed, it just doesn't make any sense. And so it was with that one. All of that to say that buildings have purpose and buildings are intentional and they serve the intended need. This morning, I would invite us to think about another structure that is being built. It's in process. It's currently being built And just like that, those structures that I referred to, this structure is the kind of structure that we sometimes wonder at. This structure is sometimes structure that because it's in process and it's a lifelong process, we lose vision and and appreciation for. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. The title of my message is I will build my church. I will build my church, the doctrine of the church. And I this message is, in part, a response to discussions that we've had here at church. Um, I'm thinking, in particular, a, a roundtable discussion that we've had with our um, house fellowship leaders on just um, some important things of church. And I don't know where God's going to lead us with with some of these these um, this this subject. Of the church. Um, But my goal here, brothers and sisters, is not to try to teach something because we're lacking so much, but to help us all understand the church and God's intent and purpose for the church. And I thought, at least this morning, I would just take us back to um, the, ori- the origin of the church and, and how J- what Jesus had to say in this passage that we'll read about his church and how he will build this church. So it's more of a foundational message this morning and I'm hoping to bring us back just to focus again properly on the church. <clears throat> Let's read Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to begin at verse 13, and, and I hope you bear with me, I've, I've used this passage a number of times recently, it's setting in my mind a lot, but here we go, verse 13 of chapter 16, when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremias, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And here's Simon Peter's famous, what is called Peter's Great Confession. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then verse 18 is our focus verse this morning. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm going to stop there. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we come to you and we desire that you would teach us this morning. And I pray, God, that through your spirit you would, you would turn our hearts and our minds again t- towards your church. And help us to understand, Father, the, the importance that your church has in this world. And Father, help us even more deeply understand our role, our responsibility as individuals in the church to help accomplish what your intentions are for your church. And so would you guide me now, Father, as we go through this passage. I just pray that truth could be understood and that I could speak clearly and think clearly. Bless each one for being here, Father. We commit this time into your hands. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we live in the age of the church. And what I mean by that is on this side of Pentecost is what, is, what has been called the church age. And I would guess that 100% of us sitting here this morning have no other experience than that of living in the church age. And we'll take it even, even closer to home is that you and I have experienced nothing else but the church. Correct? You all have been raised, I have been raised in the church. We understand the church from that perspective. We understand church, we were were born in the church. That doesn't mean that we are saved, but we understand church because that's all we've known. Correct? We live in the age of the church. What happens sometimes is that because we are so familiar with church, with the workings of the church, with the teachings of the church, with the functions of the church, that we somehow take it for granted. We, we sort of shift our expectations away and our desires away from the church and on to other things. It, it becomes old hat to us. Is that fair to say? That we get sort of like it's just the normal thing. And before we know it, we're like, ah, you know, it's maybe not so important. And we 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 lose energy in the church. Now what Jesus was referring to here was the broader body, which is called the universal church, which we're all a part of. But this morning, I'd just like to talk to us, the local manifestation of the broader body. And I have to admit, I get there sometimes. Like, it's just, we're so used to it that we lose focus of the importance of church. And so my goal this morning is to help us shift back to And understand why it's important for us to be part of, active in the body of Christ. In the church. Something that happens to us is that we also lose focus on the purpose and the intent of the church. So let's go back to our passage in verse 18. And let's just look at that verse and see if we can find about four things to help us shift back into focus here verse 18 it says and I say unto thee thou, that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it two things I want you to notice right off the bat there's two promises in this verse what are the two promises someone tell me Christ will build his church, and what else? The gates of hell hell shall not prevail against it. Those two bookends sandwich the importance of the church. Christ will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against that church, of which we are a part of. That ought to be something of motivation and encouragement to us, his people. Now I'd like to look closely at the words, I will build my church. And this is the first thing we want to we look at. This is, this, is the, this is the first promise, and we want to look at the, at the word, I will, or the words, I will. And when I studied this, the, the idea that came through was that this word, I will, is not something that Jesus sort of haphazardly pulled out of his pocket and said, oh, I think I will do this. I think I'm going to build my church. And when he looked at Peter, he said, you know what, Peter, I, I think I'm just, I'd like to build a church. I'd, I'd like to build my, my, my body, my, my church, my spiritual church. That's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was actually saying, I will that my church grows. Do you get the difference? It's not something that Jesus did as a decision on the spur of the moment. Rather, he was saying that it is my will that my church grows, and I will my church to grow. I will that my church grows. When Peter said what he did, and then Jesus turned to him and said, Thou art Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I just wanted to find that a little bit so that we understand what's going on there. He says that thou art Peter. And if you go back into the Greek, it says that Peter's Greek name, or that means rock or stone. Petros. Petros is the name. That means like a stone. Could even mean gravel or a pebble. But then Jesus says, and upon this rock, so the word rock there is Petra. That means a solid slab of stone. Bedrock. And so I think this is what Jesus was saying. He said, Peter, you know that your name means rock. But it's on me that my church is going to be built. It's on me. It's on the bedrock of me, my gospel, that my church will be built. You and the rest of the apostles will be part of that growth process and those that come after you. We'll get into that maybe later. But Jesus was, was clarifying that, the, that his church will grow based on who he was, on his character. Later in Ephesians it says that he is called the chief cornerstone. And all the apostles and the prophets and their teaching will help build this church. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Later Or In in the Gospels, Jesus also talks about the wise man building his house on the rock, which is Christ Jesus. You understand what the difference is there? His church, sisters, is built on him. We can't build the church. Jesus says, I will build my church. I will build the church. We can't build it. How does he build his church? Jesus builds his church through the ongoing work of the teaching and the preaching of the gospel. If Jesus is the foundation and Jesus came down to this earth So that all men could be saved. He died a death that he did not deserve. He willingly went to the cross so that we could experience salvation. That's the gospel. Because we're all sinners. We all need to be saved. Every one of us. Every person out there needs salvation. He builds his church through that truth. The question is, how faithful are we as his people? In telling people about that truth. We can stand back and say, well, Jesus said he's going to build his church. Brothers and sisters, he will build his church. Whether we're faithful or not. But I think there's going to be some answers that need to be given if we're not faithful in spreading that gospel by which people come into the kingdom and by which his church is grown that can be done in a number of ways it can be done locally daily talking to people about Christ how many of us walk out this door these doors at the end of a sunday service and we forget that we're still the church and that Jesus expects us to talk about him. I'm guilty. I am desperately guilty. It can happen in our homes. How many of our children understand that we love Jesus? Like, do you ever find it in your mind that you're pretty sure your children know You're pretty sure that they... Well, surely they understand. Like, we go to church all the time. We we pray. We do this. And we sort of assume those things. They go to a Christian school. When was the last time we sat down and just talked about the gospel to our children and explained that they, too, the things that they do, the, 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 the wrong things that happen that they do, are because because they have a sinful nature. They need Jesus. That's one way that his church is built. I will build my church. I will do it. But he asks us to be faithful in the process. In our confession of faith, the last the last point says the church must necessarily be an evangelistic church. I am speaking to myself. But do you understand what I'm talking about? When we lose focus, when we lose vision for the church, when we lose focus on Christ and we get involved in our lives and we, we, or whatever it is, Or maybe in the details of church. We just focus incorrectly. And we forget that he is building his church. And we're muddling here and not talking to others about him. And then we wonder why the church doesn't grow. I'm not being critical, it's a reality. And I'm guilty. the flip side to this is that we can try to do all of this with the wrong motives and the wrong attitudes. When, when I endeavor to be a builder and I take the place of Jesus and I try to force the building by doing a lot of building activity do you understand what I'm saying? I need to check my motives. Because Jesus clearly said, I will build a church. And he says later in the New Testament that it is our responsibility to plant and it's someone's responsibility to water, but it is his responsibility for what? The increase. Sometimes we get to the place where we're exasperated. Because we're not. And our motives can be wrong. We must always remember that we work in tandem with the builder. He expects us to plant and he expects us to water. And then we must go like this and say, Jesus, it's yours. You increase. You increase. What happens when he increases? What happens? We rejoice. But did you know, brothers and sisters, that that's not the end? He requires us then to keep watering. He requires us to keep cultivating. And He will will do the increasing for those that are converted, our children, our employees, those we rub shoulders with. It is His will that the church is built. I found a passage in Ephesians that was sort of fascinating to me. And you can turn to it, Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading from verses 3 through 11. And this thinking about the will of God the Father, His Son Jesus, building His church... And I'd like for you to just listen to this passage, and I'll point out a few things as we go along. Verse 3 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Did you catch that? Before the foundation of the world, he intended that his church existed. Before the foundation of the world existed, he intended, his will was that his church existed. We live in that age. And I could take you through historically how he moved historically so that his church age is is experienced today. Today. You and I live in that church age. Verse 5, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Of his will. Did you catch that? To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time He might gather together in one all things in Christ. Did you catch that? that he might gather together all things in Christ, the church. Both both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. When Jesus said, I will build my church he means his will it is his will and he intends that his church is built the second thing we see in that phrase is that the church belongs to Jesus the church belongs to Jesus he uses the word my it's a possessive form He says, I will build my church. The church belongs to Christ. And the reason the church belongs to Christ is because it says in Acts, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made overseers. He's talking to the the leaders of the church. To feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The church belongs to Christ because he purchased it with his blood. Sandy Ridge belongs to Christ because he purchased each and every one of you with his blood. Sandy Ridge is not my church. Sandy Ridge isn't our church, it is Jesus' church. It belongs to him. And when Jesus purchased Sandy Ridge, he purchased authority over the church. Over any Christian church. Over the church universal. He is the head of the church. Cares deeply about the church. Very few people willingly die to redeem others very few people Christ did and he carefully watches over the church he carefully watches over Sandy Ridge he wants his bride to be spotless to be gloriously clean without blemish and holy He. Selfishly watches over the church. We see that demonstrated in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. We see Christ walking among the candlesticks and he is observing his churches and he's looking and observing with loving care and he's noticing this and he's noticing that. And he says to John the Revelator, he says, Write to these churches and say, These things I noticed. About my churches. I have the authority to look in and to observe the ones I love. And he says, These things you, you have going for you, I love what you're doing here. I love this. But then he says, But you lack this. A lot of people today chafe at authority. Christ has authority over the church, it's his. When you buy something, when you make something, it's yours. You get to say what happens. Christ bought the church. He has the authority to look in. And He has the authority to tell us where we're missing it. He he, he lovingly tells us you're doing well here. But here you're not. The question that I ask myself is, can I hear Him say those things to me? if we just narrow it down personally, when was the last time you heard your shepherd, the Lord of the church, talking to you and say, hey, this area here, this area here. That happened to me about a week ago. And he was right. He was absolutely right. I didn't want to hear it, but he was absolutely right. He does that because He loves us. We wonder how a God can love and still have authority over us, still admonish us, still discipline us. That's love. That's love. He cares deeply about us. And if we can come together as a church and understand those things, not chafe at them, I think the church will grow. At the end of the day, when he comes back, he will have a pure bride. His bride will be spotless. And I trust that we will be part of that. I trust that we will. I have that confidence that we are those kind of people, that we listen well. The third thing we want to observe is the church itself, God's people. I will build my church, the church. The word, or the Greek word for church here is ekklesia. And it literally means a calling out and a gathering together. A calling out and a gathering together. Now the calling out, we understand, is the new birth. We are to be a called out people In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17, it says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We are to be different, not for the sake of being different, but we are to be different, brothers and sisters, because our God is different. He is not the God of the world, He is the creator of the universe. And He is the Lord of the church. We are to be called out from. We are to be different then. Because we've been called to His church. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's the minimum required to have a church. Did you realize that? Two or three. Now, now don't get wild ideas. The key here is that we must be of those who name the name of Christ. You see, it's not just good enough that I say that I'm a Christian, I can believe all I want to in Christ about God and still not be a Christian. There has to be fruit bearing in my life. Repentance and then spiritual growth. The fruits of the Spirit should be evident. And so when two or three come together in that agreement, and they say, oh yes, Brother Devon, I know I can see the evidence. And Brother Verlon, I can see the evidence in your life that you are born again. We come together. That draws us together. We are part of the family. We name the name of Christ. In that that togetherness, we have the responsibility to keep each other accountable. And when you see me going off the deep end, you say, Brother Lyle, I'm not seeing good things happening here. Are you sure you are who you say you are? That's church. And we call each other into account. Christ is building his church. We are a called out people, we are a different people. <clears throat> now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreign, foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner in whom all the building fitly joined fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Did you catch the words there? The building process? Jesus says, He knows who are His. He knows if you are His. And he also says that those that are his hear his voice. Do we hear his voice? Do you hear his voice? Does our life demonstrate him? Does our church demonstrate the character of Christ to each other and to those around us? In Ephesians chapter three, verse 10, it says, "To the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers and the heavenly places might be made known through the church, the manifold wisdom of God." Friends, that's why it's important that we demonstrate Christ genuinely. It's through the church that the principalities and the powers in heavenly places knows the manifold wisdom of God. The fourth and final thing, and this is the last promise. It's a promise to protect. It's a promise to protect the church. He says that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. I don't know what you think about when you think about that picture. The gates of hell prevailing or not prevailing against the church. We may feel a bit of relief and gladness and joy that, our, that the head of the, the church is that intent on protecting the church from the gates of hell. And we may say, great, we don't have to be part of that. He's going to take care of it. Generally, that's true. He will make sure that the gates of hell will not prevail over the church. But the reality is that evil has always been against the church. The reality is, brothers and sisters, we are are at war. Hell and the, the wickedness of Satan fight against the church. Historically and even currently, thousands, prime millions of Christians have died at the hands of wicked men who fight against the church. But I would just invite us to think more circumspectly and more up close and personal. What would happen to the gates of hell if we would love each other well? If we would love each other like Christ loves us? What would happen to the gates of hell if we would focus on becoming more like Christ? If we would focus on producing fruits of the Spirit? What would happen to the gates of hell if we refused to speak evil of each other? What would happen to the gates of hell if we would reach across the divides and listen well to each other and care about each other? You see, I think that's a reality of effectively coming Alongside the head of the church in waging war against the gates of hell. Here, today. What would happen if we would engage in warfare that way, in a positive way, and say, I will, I will, I will. And we joined the head of the church in fighting against the gates of hell, who wants to destroy the church. The fact of the matter is, brothers and sisters, there, there is no guarantee that any church will stand. There is no guarantee. But there is a guarantee that we can and will, if we do what the head of the church asks us to do, invites us to do. He will build his church. The church belongs to him. And we will fight against the gates of hell when we live in maturity in him. Shall we pray? Father, I trust that you would take what has been said and use it For your honor and glory. God, I I believe that all of us want to be effective church builders. And I pray, God, that you would help us to do so. Help us to be witnesses to those around us. Especially during this Christmas time. Help us to be willing to tell people about you. And then help us to be willing to fight against the gates of hell. To come alongside each other, to lift each other up. To take each other by the hand and say, come, let's go. Father, give us that courage. Give us that vision. Help us to focus on you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.